0: Praise the Lord. You know if you if you want to know what's going on around here, we actually put the Madeline's morning show on its own as a, on our face on our Facebook and our YouTube channel, so you can check that out and get uh, all the information about what's happening. I am excited because we are going to be uh, dropping our app this week. It's going to be ready to go, and so uh, with that, you're going to have information. We're not going to communicate through Facebook and and through your emails and through a whole bunch of other places. We're going to hit you right on the app. You'll get you know direct little communications there. We'll do all the other places, too, just so you can ignore us there, but... On the app, we really want to get you connected to how to use the app. We've had two people actually already give through the app, and there's a giving platform on the app, and there's a, a lot of cool ways to do that. And I love it. On the app, we're able to send you a note back thanking you right away for your giving. Who doesn't like a thank you? You know, so so many great things set up in our app, and we've been framing that and shaping that for a little bit, but I'm so excited we're about to release that. Because how many just, you use your phone pretty much for everything and hardly even open your computer sometimes, so the app would be awesome. Would the app be awesome? So we had a beautiful privilege of uh, uh, joining a couple of young uns here in our church that we're so proud of. So uh, Brandon and Nadia were married on Friday night. We're very excited about them. And Brandon was on commenting this morning already. What a good, good young man, you know, on his, on his honeymoon and, and uh, you know connecting with us. It's good. They're good kids, you know? So it's, I've known Brandon his whole life, and just watching how Nadia came in and got baptized here, connected, both serving in the church, it's such a joy as a pastor to see generationally. People growing in the Lord and doing those things. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I just really get touched by that. I don't know, so it's good stuff. But I've done some weddings. I have done a bunch, and uh, one lady called me up and she said she wanted to get married and wondered if it was okay. It was her fourth fourth marriage, and I was like, fourth marriage. I went. Well, she says, "Is that all right?" I said, "Well, what happened to the other three guys?" She says, "Well, actually, they all died." I went, "Oh, I'm so sorry." I said, "So you're on the fourth fella?" And she said, "Yeah." She said, and he's an undertaker. I went, an undertaker? Okay. I said, what were the other three? She said, well, the first one was a billionaire. The second one was an actor. The third one was a preacher. And now I'm marrying an undertaker. I went, well, that is a strange group of fellas. She said, actually, it makes a lot of sense. It's a one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go down. Come on, Kevin, it's a leg slapper come on, that was good, come on, cheer up, thank you very much, I appreciate that, some people are still going, what, What? who was the lady, what was the problem with it, okay, hey, So we're very excited. I'm excited about this series through the book of Mark. And we're right in the middle of the book of Mark. And in the middle of the book of Mark, it was a transition. There was a transition. Jesus spent two and a half years ministering in Galilee, manifesting who he was, demonstrating. I love Mark because Mark is, is all about experiences and encounters with Jesus. And for two and a half years, he's up in the area primarily of Galilee, demonstrating who he is, demonstrating, you know, the acts of Jesus, the acts of the Messiah. But now it's time to turn towards Jerusalem. It's time to go. It's time to focus now on the finished work of the cross, the redemption of mankind. And so he's on the way. He's on a journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. And in this transition, a lot of very interesting things happen because now he turned from speaking and preaching to crowds and preaching in generalities. He began to get very specific and he began to get into a realm of revelation with his disciples. He got into a real strong equipping ministry with the disciples that were with him. So we're in that walk. We're in that journey from Galilee to Jerusalem, all right? So you ever been in a journey from one place to another? You ever been in a transition that maybe was, you didn't know really what was going on or you got concerned on the way? I know when we sold, uh, our, our church was up on Grosvenor Street. The church is still there. But when we moved here, there was, and that was over 30 years ago. Could you believe it? I hardly look 30 years old, I know, but... Well, that was a lot of groans right there. But, you know, but it really was. Paul was there. You were there, Paul. Paul was there. Paul was the youth group. And then the next youngest guy, I think, was Bill Hermiston. So he was a young adult. And, but I mean, everybody, I kid you not, I think the average age was probably about 75. I had several, several folks in their 90s. And I think we had somebody in the congregation in every nursing home in Middlesex County. And so I spent all day visiting nursing homes and doing things. And I used to ask the people to, when they left, go down the stairs one at a time because I thought if somebody tripped, I'd lose half the congregation. So, uh, true story. <laughs> but but you know, God was really faithful and blessed us so quick that within a year and a half, we filled that church. We filled that church. We filled the parking lot. We filled the road. We had over 200 people trying to squeeze in that building, and only held 180. And it got to be a bit of a challenge. Dolores was there too. Yeah, and uh, so she was a part of the youth group too, still a part of the youth group by the way. Wow, that was a quick one. So, but we had a really good time. But God really blessed us. And then we decided that we saw this building. I drove by it several times. And I, I brought in a, a, a consultant from California. And he came and looked at it with us. He said, You'd be crazy not to buy that place. I went, Really? So he really encouraged us to do it. But you know, there was a big journey to get here. It was a fight. It was a difficult struggle. The businessmen in the area opposed us. They fought with the Ontario Municipal Board with us. We had to get into a legal struggle and battle. And everybody was tied up in contracts and legal jargon and it was like a vice grip on my head. I could hardly take it. And and I'd had people going, Pastor, we question, you know, your vision. I said, too late. We're legally tied to this thing. We can't go anywhere right now. I I can't get out if I want to. They're forcing specific enclosure on us. And I mean, even if I was wrong, too late, you know, and people got upset. And and by the time it was time to to come down here, we went, you know, we had an amazing kind of Gideon revival. You remember Gideon, his revival started with thousands, ended up with a few hundred. I started with 200, ended up coming down here with 90. Praise the Lord. I said, "What a successful transition this has been!" But I mean, in the middle of it, I had elders walk out on I me. Mean, had people wander off. People questioned me. I had our national board was mad at me. Everything. I was like, "Lord, have mercy! I'm just trying to serve you." You know. But you know, right in that situation, in that time of transition, uh, I got a phone call on a Sunday afternoon from my mom, and she's like, "Carl, I'm going to come down tonight, and I'm going to bring the the national leader of our churches in Australia." And I went, "Who?" A guy named Joe Bowes, he wants to come and see you today. I went, Mom, it's a stinking snowstorm. She says, I know, but he insists that I drive down there. Now, Joe would come over to check out the Toronto Blessing at the time, and he was here with my parents, and my parents started telling about their son and what's going on with this work down in London and how hard it's been, and they're just praying for me. He said, how far is that? They said, about two hours down the road. They said, can we go there right now? He's like, Well, you gotta preach at the service tonight. Can you get somebody else to preach? I'll go preach for him. Then my mom said, well, I'll drive you. It's a snowstorm, but I think we can do it. You know what I mean? So mom drives through a snowstorm, gets down here. Joe just kinda blah, 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 says a few things and says, come on, let's go get some chicken wings. Then we sat in Kelsey's, it's closed now, but Kelsey's on Wellington Road. And Joe, he says, I've never met you, Carl. I don't know that much about what's going on. Your parents shared a little bit with me about the transition you're in. Do it, Carl. Do it. You've got to do it. Don't let anything hinder you. I'm telling you, God is all over what you're doing. And Carl, you need to see. You need to see right now that God is in it. And although there's obstacles, and there's difficulties and disappointments, you got to stay with this, Carl, because I'm telling you passionately from my heart, I got a commission from God Almighty to tell you, go for it, Carl. Man. You know, I've been grateful in my life that in times of transition and awkward seasons that God, although he would speak to me, you know, in in the spirit and he'd tell me it's okay and stuff, but when I've been kind of concerned and I needed more, he's always shared more. He's always got more aggressive to make it clear to me that you're in the way, Carl. You're in the right way. And he's been aggressive to manifest that keep your eyes on me. I'm gonna bring you through. Can I get an amen? True story, by the way. The, the lady who got married one, that wasn't so much, but this one was, all right, all right true story. Now, that's what we're talking about right here, because we're, we're looking in, in Mark chapter 8. We see it in verse 17, it says, why do you reason because you have no bread? Like, like they're getting in the boat. They just fed thousands of people, and then Jesus said, did you guys bring any supplies with you? And they're like, is, does you mean we got no bread? And, and he said, why are you reasoning among yourselves? Why is your thinking clouded with the fact about bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened?" And he's saying, do you not understand? Do you not perceive? And all the way through, for two and a half years, Jesus is allowing them to participate and partner. The bread did not fall out of heaven. The bread multiplied in their hands. It wasn't Jesus did a miracle and they passed it out. The miracle took place as they, by faith, began to break that bread, break up that fish. They saw in their own hands the authority and the power that was manifest. And when they got in the boat and there was a storm and Jesus was like... Because you know what? Jesus is there because he got peace. He knows that the peace in him speaks peace to everything around him. And he knows that if we're crossing over, we're crossing over. I don't care what the storm looks like. They wake him up and he's like, hey, what's the matter with you guys? Where's your faith? Do you not understand who you are? And he keeps on trying to get them to understand. And Mark 8, 15, then he charged them saying, take heed. Beware, take heed. He charged them. Say charged. That means stand up. I'm going to charge you now. That means I'm officially holding you responsible for the words I'm speaking to. This is important. I charge you. Has anybody been charged before? You know, he said, I'm charge you, I charge you, I'm really serious about this. Listen, I charge you, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Leaven of Herod. We talked about the leaven of the Pharisees, the hypocrisy. And you know, even, even the Bible tells us in I think it's Titus or as it, Timothy says, you know, beware. I mean, avoid everybody who's got a form of religion, but there's no power. See, the devil doesn't mind forms of religion. I don't mind you all getting together during this pandemic. Just, you know, just stay in line like everybody else. You know, we, we don't mind religious performance and all that stuff. We don't mind your religious ceremonies. But we have a problem when power shows up. And you see, Jesus is saying, I'm charging you. Beware of the leaven because it's something that creeps into your mind. It's a diabolical, demonic attack on your head to make you powerless in circumstances, situations where you should be standing up saying, peace, be still. You're just coinciding with the storm. Hello. Say, oh me. And that's what he's talking to me. He's charging them. Because he's, he's saying, why am I not getting through to these guys? Why is it they still don't perceive and understand who I am and what it is I'm calling them into? And he's troubled about it. He's troubled about it. He says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And Herod is that, that humanistic platform, man's reason, the political system's. See, the Herodians, the leaven of Herod was, see, Herod Herod was a kind of a half-breed kind of a Jew, but there was a whole bunch of Jewish people that said, our success going forward is to back what the Romans have done with Herod. They've set up this puppet king, and because they've set up this puppet king, it's okay. And you know what? I think that's okay. And I think our way forward is to be, and they were called Herodians, they were called people who got in behind the political system of Herod, because they said, this is the vehicle for us to experience all the promises and purpose of God. How many know that is a royal bunch of bunk? Do you know what bunk is? Go look it up in the dictionary. It's bunk. But but folks, today, we might think that, wow, that was relevant to them. But this is so incredibly relevant to us today because we got people who are steeped in religion without power. And we got people today that think that our way forward is to back a certain political party or to back this party. The journey to freedom is through this or through that. And I mean, get involved all you want in politics. Get behind the people that have the values you do. But don't deceive yourself into thinking that that is the vehicle that God's going to ride to bring the glory of God to town. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mark eight twenty one. So he said to them again, how is it you do not understand? Then he goes with Peter, Mark 8, 32. He, he says, Peter, he, he's here now. Now we're transitioning, guys. Now I really got to get face to face with you. After all you've seen and all of you experienced, who am I? Who am I? And that's where Peter, he goes, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus went, yes! Finally a man had a God thought. Finally somebody understands. Finally somebody blew off all the leaven and yokes and all the nonsense and they saw me by the Spirit. Woo! He said, this is good. This is working. This is good. Then look what it says. It says, he said, you are the Christ. Then all of a sudden, Jesus said, well, guys, let's tell you what's really going on now. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be taken. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be crucified. But listen, I'm going to rise again. So you know what what, uh, Peter does? He's like, hang on, guys. Hang on, Jesus. Listen, Jesus, you got to chill on the death thing and all that. It's not highly motivational for the guys. You know, like, that's kind of a negative thing. Like, we're going to Jerusalem with you and you're going to die there. Like, come on. Is that the best motivational speech you can give? I mean, I just said you're the Christ. I just hooked up with you. Yeah. And then what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't understand. Look, look what he says. He said, He said. Uh, but he turned around and he looked at the disciples. Mark 8, says, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful. You are not mindful, your mind is not full of the ways of God. Let's pause, let that one drop in for a second. You are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You can have a revelation from God and the next minute have a revelation that is completely sourced and founded and rooted in the ways of this world and the ways of flesh. And so Jesus is like, wow, I've got un- misunderstanding, I've got, I've got double-mindedness, I've got all of these things, and these are my guys, these are, these are the people I've committed myself to reveal my goodness to the earth through. Are you here? Are you here? God has committed himself to using you. How you manifest the mind of Christ, how you embrace the revelation of God, is a direct revelation of what's happening in our world. The peace in you is determining the peace outside of you. And I want to tell you, you got the peace in you that transcends understanding. It's a gift of God. It's in you. You don't need any effort for it. But what you do need to do is you do need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind to recognize how incredibly powerful and wonderful this isn't I hope it would work. It really, really works. And you know, this Christ in us is powerful. We need a few more amens today. It'll get me moving quick. I only got about 10 minutes, so. Or my wife will start waving at me. Hey. Hey. All right, I gotta go, go. Well, transfiguration. So the transfiguration is where we are. Here's where we go up the mountain. And this is a big trip. I mean, the other gospels is in all three of the synoptic gospels and and pretty much outlined the same way. And if God repeats himself three times, he's saying, pay attention. The transfiguration, probably one of the most significant power, supernatural events that took place in the New Testament. Powerful, powerful stuff. But in this transfiguration, we see Jesus is revealed, and we see Moses and Elijah talking, and then the Father shows up speaking, and then the Shekinah glory fills everything everywhere. This is an incredible, significant result or event in the purposes and in the walk of his disciples. Transfiguration. Transfiguration is metamorpho where we get the word metamorphosis. That means what's inside comes on the outside. You know what the world needs right now? It needs for believers what's on the inside to come on the outside. It needs that Christ in us to be the Christ that's flowing through us. You don't don't need more of him. You just need more of him to get through you. And the reason more of it doesn't get through you is because it is directly related to your revelation and it's directly related to what your mind is full of. The power of a transformed mind is how the revelation of glory is released in your world and in your life. What are you thinking about? What dominates your thinking? Is it the leaven of the Pharisees? Is it the leaven of Herod? Because that leaven is corrupting your thought life. And the problem with it is it also lies to you and says, no, it's not. So the problem is it's highly deceptive and you can, you can come alongside of it and it'll tell you you're thinking okay. Hey! Okay, we got to move on. Pastor, come on. Transfiguration. Now, where does that happen again? In Romans 12, the very same word, Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not let the mold of this world, do not let the, the thought constructs of this world shape you and, and pinch you in. Don't let it happen. Beware, I charge you. He never, he never charges with too many things. He never said beware of anything else except leaven, things that cripple and they dwarf the way you think, because your thinking's important. As a man thinks. In his heart, so he is. Romans 12, 2, be conformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the transformation, what's inside coming out. In light of the mercy of God, in light of all that he has done for you, in light of the fact that you were sanctified, justified, and glorified, now in light of that revelation, let that fully permeate every crevice in your brain and in your mind so that you begin to live out what I have so graciously put in you. Amen. Amen. Man, all the ameners are watching online. I can hear it coming. Amen. Amen. Mark 9. 1 to 13. This is it, the transfiguration. And he said to them, assuredly, I say to you that there's some standing here who will not taste of death until they see the kingdom of God present in power. Uh, now, Jesus said that before they went up the mountain. They went up a high, high mountain. Now, Jesus said that. And he said, there's guys, there's you here. The only one was Judas, because all the rest of you are going to see the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. All the rest of you are going to see the power of spirit come. All the rest of you can going to experience this glorious kingdom come in full manifestation. Some of you here are going to see this. But then Jesus then, then takes them up this mountain. He takes them up the mountain. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain, Mount Hermon, 10,000 feet high, led them up a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them. I think what's interesting, I like to study words. I like to study names. I think they're purposeful in the scripture. But here's something interesting. Just let me read their names for you. You ready? He took the stone... Replaced by grace, and he led them up the high mountain. The stone the tablets, the law, legalism, religion. He went up the mountain where religion, James means to supplant, to replace. It was religion is being replaced by the John is Jehovah Grace, the God of grace. Religion, the stone, the law, the legalistic system is being supplanted. It's being replaced by grace. And I'm going to take you up the mountain and I'm going to show you that it's absolutely done. I'm going to give you a powerful revelation of that fact. I want to burn it in your heads once and for all that you'll never operate out of a fallen legal system I gotta rewind that one and put it on the web that was good right there that's what happened boy I hit my head pretty hard I got to get it in. This whole trip, This whole supernatural experience was, what, was to take a group of people who couldn't get understanding and sear something in their minds once and for all that they'd never, ever lose. You know, we as a church, we beat a drum all the time. We're beating the drum all the time about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the new covenant. The old covenant's old, the new covenant is new. Get yourself fixed in the grace, the goodness of God because that is the message of a new covenant church and we beat it all the time because people are still to understand. I pray today that you have a encounter with God that sears in your heart once and for all. That you will forever be mindful that it's the grace of God that propels us in every way. Hey, okay pastor, go. Go pastor. All right, so Elijah, Jesus there was transfigured before them. He became a shining light, exceedingly white, white like snow. No launder on earth could whiten it any further. But listen, Elijah appeared and Moses appeared, and they were talking with Jesus. So here we go up the mountain of transfiguration. We go up the mountain so that the law and the prophets are going to be there. You need to experience this because Jesus is going to transcend. He's going to explode beyond his brightness and His glory will eclipse everything you've experienced through the law and the prophets. That's what's going on at the transfiguration. I want you to know that. So Jesus is there. Mark 9, a parallel gospel, says, and he said to them, what are they talking about? It says that they were talking. What are they talking about? Luke 9, 31. They spoke to him about his departure. Another translation says his exodus. They spoke to him about his death and his burial and his resurrection. They talked about his exodus. Moses had an exodus where he led people up out of captivity. But they were talking about, no, Jesus, you're going to Jerusalem. And you're going to leave the people once and for all out of captivity. And, and there was Elijah and there was Moses, two people. Elijah was taken up in a chariot and Moses, God, buried him. But here's two people that, 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 who represented the law and the prophets. They were there so that these three guys could have an encounter with God. It could get seared in their minds and their hearts forever that Jesus eclipses every other expression of religion even the religion that God laid out in the Old Covenant. It is done and gone. You need to see Jesus and only Jesus. Can I get an amen for Jesus? you got to put through the filter of Jesus every single thing that you are hanging on to and that you are believing for. Look at one more verse. Put it up here in the picture in the screen. I want you all to read that with me, all right? It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law, no, 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 I got to go over here because I'm trying to read through those twigs. I got something in my in my vision, blocking my vision. It says this, by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, but now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. And that's what was happening on the mount. The righteousness of God, the glory of God is revealed apart from the law and the prophet. Something new has come into expression and manifestation. Now listen what it says. Apart from the law, it is revealed and it is witnessed to by the law and the prophet. Prophets, it's witnessed to by Moses and by Elijah, and it says we're going to have two witnesses in the last days, and that's not now. It was the two witnesses right then. It was Elijah and Moses who witnessed that this is the one, this is the Exodus, and then boom, the glory of God comes, and there's nobody else there but Jesus only. And that's what they're talking about here. Even the righteousness of God, that is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. Gender, no difference uh, ethnically, anything. It's not different for a Jew or for a Gentile. It's one person once and for all. The righteousness of God is by faith to everyone who believes. Thank you, Jesus. So Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's really good for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles. I want to build three condos, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And look what it says, because he didn't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Uh, Yeah, I want to build you guys a condo. Because he was afraid. You know, sometimes when you don't know what to say and you're afraid, just shut up. But Peter, I love Peter because he could never help himself, you know. Somebody should say something, right? Hey, how about a condo? But see, here's the problem here. See, in Peter's mind, Peter's mind, is going, very cool, Moses, Elijah, Jesus, very cool. I have all three of you on the same level in my life. All three of you have the same influence. All three of you, I want all three of you to have a continued dwelling place in my experience. Are you following me? And that's when all of a sudden, when he said that, all of a sudden, a cloud covers everything, and the father says, hey, you, shut up. Sorry, I'm paraphrasing. Boom, here comes the Father. A cloud comes, overshadows them, and a voice from the cloud comes. This is my beloved Son. Hear him and Moses and Elijah because he is an addition to the law and they will both flow together and function together. And if you use them both tandemly alongside each other, you will be safe. No! He said, Don't be a whack job. The reason you're seeing this vision, Jesus was transfigured. These two guys, they're watching too. Because this, this, what he prophesied was pointing to Jesus. That law, it brought you to Jesus. Now they're done because Jesus is here. Listen to him. Hey, please settle down. I've got to finish. Please, please stop. Stop. Please, please. All right. Okay. All right. So listen. I love it because, you know, a cloud showed up at his baptism too. And, you know, at his baptism and the other gospel says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, it was 1,400 feet below sea level at the lowest place. You know what you hear? At the lowest place of your life, you know what you hear? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You need to hear that about Jesus, but you need to hear that about you. But you know what? Then 10,000 feet high, the highest place in their whole surroundings, in the highest place. You know what you hear in the highest place too? You know what? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's same in a low place place. He's saying, in a high place. This is my son. Whether you're in a high spot, you're in a low spot. I tell you, no matter where you are, Jesus, he's the answer in everything. And no matter where you are, he is there. And the Father is speaking to you. You are my beloved child and who I am well pleased. That's why I can say, it is well with my soul. No matter if I'm up or I'm down, I got a big revelation of who Jesus is in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Now, when they came down the mountain, he commanded them, and he said to them, don't tell anyone these things with what you've seen till the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning, what does he mean by the rising from the dead thing? So I mean, still, they're having a difficulty grasping the revelation. Even later, Jesus said, I'd like to teach you a lot more stuff, but i got to wait till the Holy Ghost comes, because you can't handle it. He's trying, he's trying, trying to get you a revelation. We need to get a revelation, impact church. We need to get a revelation of what God wants to do with us right now through the message. Message he's given to us. We need to realize the stewardship we have for the revelation he's poured in our heart. We have to realize that, you know, God wants to do something incredible, something large, and something big in and through us. We got to realize right now that this is the day God's speaking to us. He's saying there's more, it's bigger. Take the lid off of your imagination. Don't worry about what's going on around you. I'm telling you, I'm going to do a great work, a big, big work. The harvest is going to be ridiculously huge. Get ready and prepare to equip all the people you can because I'm about to bombard the nations of the world with my goodness. And my glory. Just thought I'd throw that in, says the Holy Ghost hey, now they came down the mountain. He commanded them that they should not tell anyone these things except just keep it to themselves. And they asked him saying, why did the scribes say Elijah must come first? Then he answered them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written that the son of man must suffer all these things? They're trying, they're grappling with this, you know, and be treated with contempt. But I say, Jesus said, but I say to you that Elijah has also come. The other passages in parallel, i say, John the Baptist was the Elijah. It's done. It's fulfilled. And yet we got people in the last, days today looking for all of this nonsense. And if you just read your Bible and let it speak for itself, it's already fulfilled. And it's time to be lifting up Jesus and seeing Jesus. It's not time for us to figure out how we're going to get out of this mess. Jesus is the answer to all of that stuff. All right. So uh, everyone ran. I mean, everyone ran to Jesus. The glory on Jesus attracted people. The glory on Moses repelled people. There was a glory on Moses, but it was a glory of condemnation. And it was a glory that faded. They said, would you please cover up? Because his glory caused shame. It caused fear. they said, please cover up. And that glory faded. Jesus' glory doesn't fade. And Jesus' glory was attractive. Everybody broken, even demon-possessed people ran to Jesus because the glory on Jesus spoke acceptance, love, and freedom. That was good right there true story right there. That's what it's about. Mark 9, 23 and 24, Jesus said to him, he comes down the mountain, and there's a man there with a son who's tormented. And he says, man, I've been talking to your disciples, and, and these religious people are arguing with your disciples. Nobody can do anything. He's like, if you can, could you please do something? He's like, if I can. If I can. He's like, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You know, there's fathers down the mountain. I mean, a lot of us trying to have the mountain encounter and revisit it every day of our lives. Woo! Glory! Woo! Woo! You know, you know why you get the woo? So you can go downtown and you can go into the lowest spot and you can hear the cry of the broken and the fathers and you can say, have a touch of Jesus. The reason you get flooded and saturated with the glory of God is so that you can be a dispenser of his favor to the fathers that are crying out broken and saying, would somebody please help me? Amen. That was a good word, Pastor. Thank you. 2 Corinthians, it talks about verse 7 and 18 of chapter 3. It talks about that transition from one glory to another glory. And it's not talking about levels of glory. It's talking about one glory to another glory. Glory to glory. What is it? The Old Testament had glory. But you've been moved by the Spirit into a new covenant, and it has glory. You're taken from old covenant glory to new covenant glory. And if there's levels of new covenant glory for you, that's wonderful. There's really not. He doesn't give you a part. He gives you the whole thing. You might unpack it by stages because of revelation, but that doesn't mean that he's been holding out on you. It doesn't come by observation. It's fully there. He didn't give you a partial Holy Ghost. He whacked you with the whole thing. He didn't give you, you know, that you get to be a doorkeeper. He said, I ask my good pleasure to give to you the kingdom and not in measure. He gave you the whole thing. So you were taken from glory to ever increasing because the glory of the new covenant never, ever fades. But here's the problem with some people. The old covenant still has glory. When people preach the law, there's glory on the law. It's a fading glory. It's a condemning glory. But it still touches your soul realm. And you go like, well, that sounds right. It might sound right because the law is right. But the law cannot transition you into the purpose of God for your life. And you got to let that go. And that's why they were taking up that mountain so they could see Jesus. And the father broke in and he said, it's not about this guy or that guy. And then when they opened their eyes, there was nobody else there but Jesus and his glory. That's what he wanted to sear in their hearts once and for all. Quit with all the other nonsense and let Jesus fill your vision and let his voice permeate your life because eyes to see and ears to hear, they come from the Lord. All right, I got to hurry. Can you say hurry? So 2 Corinthians talks all about that glory. And and, and the apostle Paul says, in comparison to the glory that you have, the old covenant glory was no glory. The glory that you're walking in, the old covenant, if you tried to compare it, here's the comparison. It doesn't even register on the scale. Compared to the glory you're walking in, it is no glory at all. So people, if you're still trying to prop up the law, you're still trying to prop up the rules and the regulations. You need to get a vision. You need to have a transformation of your mind. You need to have that mountaintop experience where once and for all is burned into your, your consciousness that Jesus and his goodness and his grace is the only vehicle you need to focus on. I think I said that three or four times. Now how I don't know what's powerful, it's powerful because in 2 Peter 1, 15 to 18, Peter says, he says, moreover, I tell you, and he says, before I die, before I'm leaving, before I decease, I want you to know, we didn't follow some cunning, devised fables, we didn't come making known to you the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus by, by some, you know, other nonsense, he says, I'm telling you this because I was an eyewitness to his majesty, for he received from God the Father of glory, he received this favor from his Father when his Father commended him, and a voice came from heaven, and the excellent, glory was revealed. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this was seared on Peter's life. It was, it was completely implanted on his brain, seared forever, that our way through is to constantly focus on the resurrected Christ thank you, Mr. Zimmer. That's it. Boom, right there. Boom. This event grounded me in my service for Christ. That's what Peter's saying. Exactly what Jesus wanted to do. (laughs) That's what he did. Four lessons really fast that I want you to get from this today. Four lessons. You ready? Number one, Jesus will always and with great patience equip you for what he's leading you towards. He was leading them into this journey with him, and he will, pace. no matter where you're headed or where he's taking you, he's going to fully equip you, fully and with great patience. He's going to be sure that you're equipped for success. Lesson number one. Lesson number two. Lesson number two. Faith operates out of a greater awareness of reality. Your faith is going to operate out of your awareness of the unseen realm. Your faith is going to operate out of your revelation of Jesus. And if other things so cloud your visit, if you got, we got Moses, we got Elijah, we got, we got all the 11 of the Pharisees, 11 of Herod, we got all these things competing with my attention. Faith, here's the lesson. Faith operates out of a greater awareness of reality. The renewed mind allows revelation to flow, the miraculous joining of your intellect with the Spirit of God. Well, I reason these things. I've thought about this. Great. Did you know that you can actually think about things and be totally brutally wrong? There needs to be that, that, that forging together of your intellect with the Spirit of God. And that is a miracle that happens when you allow yourself to have a transformed mind. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. I'm one minute over. I've got to go. Number three, don't allow mixture to exist. Don't. Well, a little mixture is okay, Pastor. I've got along with a little mixture so far. Well, stop it. Stop it. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop it. Well, I like a little bit of the old stuff. It, honestly, It's rubbish. And you bring it in a little bit and it's corrupting and it'll mess with you. Mixture is not good. In fact, it says if it's not straight up salt, what what keeps the salt from being effective? Mixture. And that's the only thing that will keep salt from losing its savor or its power. And it's mixture. The devil doesn't sometimes come with something terrible or something awful. He comes with something reasonable. He's wise and crafty. Don't allow mixture to exist. Moses and Elijah have left the scene. All right? Rejoice right now. It's faith in the grace of God that is your hope of the glory of God. Lesson number four, and this is it. Hearing the voice of the Father on the mountain is what enables you to minister to the needs of the Father in the valley. And all of this doesn't make any sense if we don't link it to the fact that we are here to bring everything under the manifestation of the goodness of God. And if we just have little religious encounters waiting for Jesus to get us out of here, we never really got the revelation. Because the reason you got Christ in you is the hope of glory in your neighborhood. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And you got good news right now to share with everybody around you. You can manifest hope of glory everywhere you are. Because if you really got a manifestation of that, you know that it works in your world. And it works everywhere you are. Lesson number four what you had and what you're experiencing with the Father on the mountain has got to be released to the brokenness and the hurts in the valley. In Jesus' name. Come on, stand up with me. You must see this. You must. You must see this. You must see this. You must. You must see this. Can you bow your heads? All the believers were praying. Praying, praying, praying. Praying. Listen, I don't know everybody here today, but if you came in and you don't know Jesus, I want you to have an encounter with him today. If you've not had an opportunity in your life to say, be my Lord and be my Savior, I want you to experience that today. So all our heads are bowed, eyes closed, just speaking with you. If you're feeling that, I want to make Jesus my Savior today, even if you're watching a recording of this or you're watching online right now, I want you to just say, look, hey, I need Jesus. I mean, just even if you're there in your own home, lift your hand and say, hey, pastor, pray for me and pray the prayer with me. With me. But if you're in the house right now, I'm just going to count to three. At three, would you lift your hand very high so I can pray with you? Are you ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up all the way so I can see it all the way up. All right. Well, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with everybody. I'm going to pray with you folks online. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my redeemer, my savior, my Lord, my healer, the lover of my soul. I receive you, and I thank you for filling my life and reconciling me to my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good, good. Well, I'm going to pray for you. we got a couple of spots up here. If you need prayer, stay behind, and we're going to pray for you. And we got a, a couple of dots, a couple of people ready to pray for you. If somebody's there, just sit back in a chair and wait. But if you need prayer, just hang back, and we'd love to talk. If you're a guest today, you're a visitor, please fill out those cards. We want to correspond with you and want to thank you and just give appreciation for you joining with us, all right? Can I bless you? Father, I love this house. I love the vision you've given us. I love the journey we've been on. And I thank you that you're moving with us right now. And I thank you for the present glory that we walk in and live in. And I thank you for the revelation of your goodness and of your kindness and of your grace. Father, I bless each one here. I bless each one watching online. Father, we thank you that you're leading us even to a new place. We're talking about move right now because we're really moving. And I pray, Father, though, that whatever that looks like, that we wouldn't have uh, some kind of construct. We wouldn't have any leaven or anything that would cripple what you really want to do through us. We want to walk by your word. We want to walk by what you are doing. We want to see you in this because what you're doing is blessed, blessed, blessed. So we thank you that you're leading us and guiding us. We thank you for increase. We thank you for blessing. We thank you for supernatural prosperity. I'm calling in millions of dollars right now. Millions and millions and millions. Because I try to reach the whole globe. it's going to take a few bucks. But I'm calling in millions of dollars right now to be an equipping center to send the good news of God all over the earth. And so Father, I thank you for doing that. I bless each one here. Bless their homes. Thank you for keeping us safe. Thank you that it is well with my soul thank you that, Lord, I got it. You got it covered from A to Z, and we are blessed. So, Lord, church starts now. Church starts now. We're going to go out there, and we're going to take the goodness of God to the fathers, the mothers, the broken, the hurting in the valley. We're going to lose to them the life-changing power of Jesus. So, I bless this house now. In the- wonderful name of Jesus, our great Savior. In the Father's name, whose great love, let it explode in our hearts. And in the wonderful, powerful partnership of the Holy Spirit, I loose you to go and minister God's goodness and grace. And everybody said, amen.